0: town, and uh, Brother Doug will be bringing the message this morning. Today's a very special day because we will uh, have the singing group Chorale from Freed Hardeman University here with us at 5 o'clock tonight. We'll have a short devotional, and then they will have a program, and after that we will have supper together, so uh, please make plans to be part of that. We're here this morning to worship our Lord. Let's begin our time together in prayer. Our Holy Father, thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for being with us and and washing out for for us. We're thankful for every person that's here meeting with us this morning. And we pray that as we enter into this time of worship, that we can put aside the cares of this world and worship you in a manner that will be pleasing to you. These things we ask through, through Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Morning. First song this morning will be Goodness of God.
3: Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you at this time. We thank you for another great privilege of being able to be here and to spend this time as your people in worship and praise unto you. And as we do so, may we do it with clean minds and pure hearts and that we will do it in such a way that it will bring honor into you. We thank you for each and every one that is present, whether it be here or by way of viewing online and for those that are not here in person, whatever their reasons may be, we pray that if it be your will, that they return to us soon and be able to be with us. We ask you to be with us as we prepare to hear another message from your word proclaimed and that as it is imparted to us, that we will open our hearts and our minds and that we'll be receptive to those things that are going to be presented. May we be challenged in some way. May we be able to grow from it in some way. We ask your care, your blessings to be upon those of our number that are struggling with various health challenges, whatever those may be, we ask you to be with them and that they will be strengthened, comforted, and that you will be with those that are administering the care into them and that they too will soon be able to be back with us. We pray for leadership, especially here in the church. Our elders, as they oversee and as they make decisions, that they will do it all with your word in mind and that they will do it in the best possible way. Our deacons, as they go about fulfilling their various tasks, and we likewise, in the civil realm, ask you to be with those in various positions of authority, that they will use their authority for good and not for evil. We pray that peace will somehow prevail throughout the world and that all will look unto you and that we will all do as you would have us to do. And it's for these things that we ask. And in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Invitation song after the lesson this morning will be follow me Before the
2: lesson we're gonna sing there's a stirring if you would go ahead and stand as we sing this one together
0: morning from Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. Galatians 6 verse 14. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world.
4: Good morning. It's a beautiful Lord's Day. It's wonderful to be able to assemble like we are today to worship our God and we are so honored that you're here this morning. We're glad you're here. We have those that are visiting with us and we always are so happy to welcome our guests. We hope that maybe you'll hang around just a little bit after we are dismissed and give us a chance to talk with you further. And we want you to come back and be with us anytime that you can. Really looking forward to tonight at five o'clock. The Fried Hardeman Chorale is going to be here. They'll be doing the devotional and then they'll be uh, performing their program following that devotional. And I hope you'll plan to be here tonight for that. Of course, we need your help in bringing plenty of food, uh, casseroles so that we can enjoy a great period of fellowship uh, with not only ourselves, but with the Chorale as well. So I hope you'll make your plans tonight to participate in that. Had some great news that happened after our Bible classes on Wednesday night. We rejoiced that Mason Freeze uh, made his decision on Wednesday night to put on his Lord in baptism. If you haven't heard that news, I think it's wonderful when anybody makes that decision, but especially a, a younger person like Mason who has thought things through and has made such an important decision. And of course, uh, Mason has been influenced by many, many people, in particular, uh, Drew Bruce and, let me see, Andrew Langley uh, were instrumental in studying with him and uh, leading him to make that wonderful decision, and we appreciate him so very, very much. You know, this church is one of the busiest places I have ever seen in my life. Uh, I've been around a lot of churches. I get a lot of church bulletins and publications, but I don't know of any church that is as busy as this church. You know, just in the last few days, we have fed the Fried Hardeman and the Northeast softball teams. We've had fed the Fried Hardeman basketball teams. Uh, we're going to have a, a big meal tonight. And our food pantry and clothes closet this month has just been almost overwhelming. We will have probably uh, close to 200 uh, families that we've helped by the time uh, this week is done. And so many of you have been been involved in helping with that, and we appreciate that so very much. I think it's a, a sign of a healthy church when brethren are willing to jump in and busy themselves in the Lord's work. This morning, I want to call your attention to that old rugged cross. There's no way for us to adequately describe the tremendous value and the blessings of that old rugged cross. As far back as we can remember, we've heard about, we've sung about that old rugged cross. But I wonder if we've ever stopped to consider the ruggedness of that cross. We need to consider its rugged background and setting. The Bible tells us that it was stationed at Golgotha, the place of the skull. Death was everywhere in evidence. The death of our Lord received no earthly pomp or glory. In fact, the Bible says in Galatians 3 and verse 13, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Have you ever heard of anybody glorying, being ecstatic about an electric chair? Have you ever heard of anybody wearing on a beautiful gold chain an emblem or a symbol of the gallows? Certainly not. These are items that are despised and despicable items in our culture. These are instruments of torment and dread The truth is, nobody ever thought about glorying in a cross until Jesus Christ our Lord came and died on one. But he changed the concept of the cross, did he not? In fact, he changed it so drastically that Paul would say in Galatians 6 and verse 14, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want us today in our lesson to think about some things regarding that old rugged cross. I want us to think about some things that that old rugged cross ought to remind us of and hopefully we will leave this building today with a greater appreciation for that cross upon which our Lord died. May I suggest first of all this morning that that old rugged cross ought to remind us of the rugged individual who died there some 2,000 years ago. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ, our Lord, was not a sissy. He was truly a man among men. He was born of lowly parentage. He was poor in regard to this world's goods. The Bible says that Our Lord didn't even have a place to lay his head. And our Lord lived the hard and rugged life of a carpenter. And I imagine if we could have examined the hands of our Lord, we would have found those hands to be somewhat calloused. Our Lord walked almost everywhere he went. And when he was tempted, our Lord spent 40 days alone in the wilderness. And during that time... The Bible says in Mark one verse thirteen that he was among the wild beasts, and that no doubt intensified the horror of it all. In Matthew twenty one in verse twelve, our Lord courageously and bravely cleansed the temple. He overturned the money changers' tables. He drove them from the house of God. Jesus said, "My house shall be called a house of prayer," but. You've made it a den of thieves. In John chapter 18 and verse 24, our Lord very bravely in the garden faced his accusers. He never ran from anybody. Our Lord was never a coward. Jesus Christ was indeed a rugged individual. He was even man enough to endure that terrible scourging and yet somehow remain conscious after that awful beating matthew 27 and verse 26 and yet the truth is jesus christ calls for a certain kind of ruggedness today among those of us who are his followers he calls on us to endure hardships to be faithful and when the going gets rough and tough and difficult he calls on us to be committed in fact Jesus said to his apostles in John 15 and verse 20 you remember the word that I said unto you the servant is not greater than his Lord if they persecuted me they'll also persecute you and that old rugged cross ought to tell us every time we think about it it ought to remind us of the rugged individual who died there and we need to be faithful we need to be committed to our lord even when times are tough and when it's so difficult to be faithful secondly though may I suggest that that old rugged cross ought to remind us of the rugged beginning, the rugged origin of New Testament Christianity. You know, when Jesus went out to select his apostles, he did not select the elite or the learned or the educated. Our Lord did not choose those that were rich or pampered. Instead, our Lord selected those that were rough stern, stalwart individuals. For the most part, they were simply Galilean fishermen and and we could never really believe that they could become what we know they later came to be. But Jesus trained them by hardships. He built their faith by trials. In fact, Christianity had its beginning there on that old rugged cross almost 2,000 years ago. You know, Jesus Christ, our Lord, endured so much even before the suffering on that cross became a reality. The night before our Lord died, he was kept up all night long having to endure six mock trials, three by the Jews, three by the Romans, all of which were filled with illegalities. And the Bible then talks about our Lord being scourged, Matthew 27 and verse 26. Now, that might not mean a whole lot to us today, but let me tell you, scourging was a terrible and painful punishment. In fact, it wasn't at all uncommon for the victim to die while being scourged. The Roman scourge, was a very fearful instrument. It was made of a long wooden handle, about 18 inches long. Into that wooden handle were attached three leather straps. Into those leather straps were attached lead balls and jagged pieces of metal and broken pieces of glass. The person that was then scourged was stripped of his clothing... Except perhaps for a loincloth, he was then tied in one of two positions. He was either tied over a low wooden block or else he was made to stand with his hands tied above his head. In either position, the entire body would be exposed to those fearful blows. Now the Jews had a law that a man could not be beaten more than 40 stripes. And so... The Jews would always stop at 39, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 34. Jesus Christ was not scourged by the Jews. He was scourged by the Romans and they had no such law and they would beat a victim unmercifully, many times even to the point of death. We can just almost hear that Roman legionnaire as he gives the command to beat him. And even with that very first lash, those lead balls embedded in that scourge bruised our Lord's flesh deeply. Those jagged pieces of metal and broken pieces of glass cut deeply into the flesh of God's Son. The bleeding is immediately intense. And I tell you, it wasn't a light beating. They no doubt beat our Lord until his entire body looked like a blanket of blood. And oh, how they ridiculed him. They spit in his face. They hit him with the palms of their hands. They did everything possible to insult and to ridicule this so-called king of the Jews. He claimed to be a king, did he not? And a king ought to have a robe. So on our Lord's back, they placed a monk purple robe. A king needs a scepter. And so into our Lord's hand, they placed a reed. And of course, a king ought to have a crown. And so upon our Lord's head, they placed that crown of thorns and press that down upon his brow, and immediately the blood and the bleeding is intense. Mercifully, the purple robe had started the clotting process of the blood on his back, but then they stripped him of that purple robe, and those wounds were once again violently opened, They mocked him, hail king of the Jews. They humiliated him in every way that they could. And finally our Lord was compelled to carry his own cross to Calvary. And because of all that he had endured, he finally fell beneath the weight of it. And Simon of Cyrene was compelled to carry that cross for him all the way to Calvary. Calvary, And when they finally arrived at Golgotha, that's when the suffering really began in earnest. There has never been a death devised by human beings that's more painful, more horrifying, more dreaded than death by crucifixion. Sometimes it would take days for the victim to die. I have on the screen, if you'll look, a replica of a Roman nail. It's very much like the ones that they used to crucify individuals back in the first century. They would take a nail like this and they would not drive that nail through the palm of the hand because that literally will not support the weight of the human body. The flesh will tear out through the fingers. But in their mind, they also believed the wrist was a part of the hand. So invariably, they would drive that instrument, that nail, through the wrist. Can you imagine that Roman soldier, as he took that heavy hammer and drove that instrument through the quivering flesh of our lord into that old rugged cross one hand fastened securely the same procedure on the other hand where they drove this instrument through the flesh of god's son now the feet were an entirely different matter they would take one spike one nail like this and they would have the victim cross his feet They would then bend the knees of the individual and then they would drive one spike through both feet into the wooden cross. Now, the legs were bent in order to allow the victim to be able to push up on that nail that he might be able to breathe. If they did not bend the knees, one would very quickly die from suffocation and so they did this to prolong the pain and prolong the agony and so they fastened our lord to that old rugged cross they raised that cross upright dropping it into its hole and ripping and tearing the skin and and then the torture and the suffering really began They placed our Lord on that cross at nine in the morning. He was there until about three in the afternoon. The scene was so gruesome that at 12 noon midday, the time when the sun should be shining the brightest, that there was intense darkness all over the face of the earth from from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. And in Matthew 27 in verse 46, about the ninth hour, our Lord cried out with a loud voice, "Eli, Eli, lama sabathani?" Which is, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" I believe our Lord did forsake His Son on that day to allow Him to be that perfect sacrifice that through his death and through his blood that was shed on that cross and our obedience to his will, we might have hope and our sins might be forgiven. We read Paul's inspired statement in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 23. He said, but we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness. The Jews just couldn't conceive of a crucified Messiah. The Greeks thought it was absurd that any man that couldn't save himself could possibly save anybody else. And so that old rugged cross, every time that we think about it, it ought to remind us of the rugged origin of Christianity. In the third place, though, may I suggest that that old rugged cross ought to remind us of the ruggedness of Christianity down through the stream of history. You know, when the Lord's church had its beginning, persecution threatened to destroy the church of our Lord. The mighty and powerful Roman Empire came against the church with the sword, but those Christians did not retaliate. Instead, they went forth bravely to to die as martyrs for the cause of Christ. And let me tell you, the church of our Lord has truly sailed some bloody seas. But Christianity always did. It always will thrive on ruggedness. Historians of that day were amazed because so many of those Christians did not die with a frown on their face. They did not die with disappointment in their hearts, but many of them died actually singing songs. In Acts 4 and verse 20, when Peter and John were threatened with persecution, they said, we cannot but speak the things that we've seen and heard. In Acts 5 and verse 18, they laid their hands on the apostles and they placed them in the common prison. Again, in Acts 5 and verse 29, when the apostles were threatened with persecution, Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, the Bible says at that time, there was a great persecution that arose against the church at Jerusalem. And that persecution was so intense that those early Christians had to leave their homes. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. The Bible says, therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. We read about Paul when he was converted in Acts chapter nine and verse 25, how that the disciples took him by night and let him down by a wall in a basket in order to avoid being killed. Over in Acts 12 and verse one, the Bible says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to certain of the church. He did it in order to do violence to them. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now James was a pillar in the church at Jerusalem. Are you telling me that the church can get by without somebody like James? We need to understand that The ongoing of God's cause does not rest, it does not depend on any individual anywhere. In Acts 14 and verse 19 we read about Paul and Lystra and how they stoned him and they dragged him out of the city thinking that he was dead. And then we read about Paul and Silas in Philippi in Acts 16 verse 23 how that they laid many stripes upon them and they cast them into prison charging the jailer to keep them safely imprisoned in body but not in mind at midnight they sang and they prayed to God outside of Jesus Christ they're probably was not anyone who was more rugged or who endured more than the Apostle Paul. Paul's afflictions and suffering for Christ are very vividly described in Second Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24. He said of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Three times was I beaten with rods? Paul, did you say you were actually beaten with rods three different times? Three times was I shipwrecked. A night and a day have I been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the sea, in perils among false brethren in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and in thirst and in fastings often, in cold and in nakedness. Beside all these things that are without, there comes upon me daily the care of all the churches. No wonder Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 30, I Die daily. That's why Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, or of me as prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And then I think about how good and wonderful and pleasant and comfortable we have things here. Just look at the beautiful facility that we have to worship in. We have padded pews. We have carpet on the floor. We have air conditioning in the summertime. We have heat in the winter. And, you know, I want to assure you that I'm thankful for all these things. I trust that it will always be the case that this is how it will be. But we need to understand that even if we had to meet in adverse and trying circumstances, if we had to meet under the cover of darkness for fear of our own lives, it would not harm the ongoing of God's cause. Because you see, Christianity always has, it always will thrive on ruggedness. Now we've seen thus far how that that old rugged cross ought to remind us of the rugged individual who died there, how it ought to remind us of the rugged beginning of Christianity, how it ought to remind us of the ruggedness of Christianity down through the stream of history. But now may I suggest that that old rugged cross made possible the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15, the Bible says, And for this cause, he, Jesus Christ, is the mediator of the New Testament. And that by means of death. When our Lord died on that cross, he made possible this book. In fact, this new covenant cost the very blood of Jesus Christ, Hebrews 10 and verse 29. What should our attitude be then toward this book? Should we not have the attitude that we're going to study, that we're going to meditate upon this book, that we're going to learn its contents and its teachings because one day we're going to be judged by it? And should not the fact that the Lord's blood brought this New Testament into existence, should it not cause us to have an attitude that we're going to defend it at all costs? From a cold, dark prison cell, Paul would say in Philippians 1 in verse 17, I am set for the defense of the gospel. Paul was in prison because he had defended the gospel. Paul said, I intend to defend it as long as I live. I'm going to preach Christ and him crucified And you can take it or leave it. You can love it or hate it. But Paul said, I intend to preach it until I breathe my last. But then I want to suggest today, as we close, that that old rugged cross is what makes salvation possible for you and me right now. Were it not for the blood that was shed there, do you understand that there would be absolutely no hope of eternal life? No hope for the forgiveness of sins. Being saved from our sins is made possible by the blood that Jesus shed on that old rugged cross as we follow and submit to his will. In Matthew 26, verse 28, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins, in whom we have redemption through his blood, Ephesians 1 and verse 7. First Peter 1 and verse 18 tells us that, that we've not been redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold, but we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish. May I suggest to you that the cross of our Lord presents to us some of the most startling paradoxes known to man. The cross was the most tragic event in history, and yet it was the most wonderful thing that ever happened. The cross was the saddest spectacle that mankind ever beheld. And yet by the cross came the greatest joy. That old rugged cross was Satan's greatest victory. He and his followers were rejoicing that they had killed the Son of God. And yet it was by the cross that Satan suffered his most stunning defeat. The cross was the greatest exhibition of divine justice. And yet it was the most wonderful demonstration of divine mercy. It was through the cross that God condemned sin. And yet it was by the cross that God forgave the sinner. The cross stands for God's hatred of sin and yet it's the greatest proof of his love for the sinner the cross was mankind's darkest hour and yet it was the greatest of all lights because you see on that day the sun the s-u-n refused to shine but the sun the s-o-n became the light of the world I want you to understand this this morning. There's no way, no way that we can be saved without the cross. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 23 through 35, the Lord gave the account of a man who owed his master 10,000 talents. Now folks, that's an extremely large sum of money. From Matthew chapter 20 and verse one and following, we learn that the average wage, the average pay for a worker in Palestine was one denarii or one penny a day. This man wasn't in debt one talent. He was in debt 10,000 talents. I don't know how any man in any age could ever be in that kind of debt. Now just one talent equals 6,000 denarii or 6,000 days pay. This man was in debt, one talent, but 10,000 talents. Now 10,000 talents equals 60 million denarii or 60 million days pay. Now 60 million days, if you divide that by 365, It equals 164,183 years. Here was a man that was in debt so much that if he worked seven days a week and he kept absolutely nothing at all to live on, it would take him 164,183 years to pay that debt it is a debt so great it cannot be paid it is unpayable. but that's exactly the situation that you're in and that I'm in and that every accountable person is in there's no way that we can work enough or do enough or give enough to cause even one sin to be forgiven But what we could not do and cannot do in and of ourselves, Jesus Christ did for us on that old rugged cross. That old rugged cross makes salvation possible. Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. And I want to ask you this morning, what effect should the cross have on your life And mine. I'm convinced that an appreciation of the cross will invariably begat a spirit of sacrifice like we've never had before. We won't think about being inconvenienced anymore as we think about giving service to the Lord. We won't consider, you know, what's best for me and and my time and what I want to do. It'll beget a spirit of sacrifice like we've never had before. And I believe that when we think about the cross, it will result in a spirit of commitment and dedication like we've never seen before. We start thinking about maybe whether or not we're going to come on a Sunday night, when well, we've worked hard all day on Wednesday, and you know we start thinking about you know, we're going to come on Wednesday night for Bible study, we, we ought to think about the cross. When we think about our own lives and how we live our lives each day, when we think about our attitudes, when we think about our habits, when we consider the words that we speak, the influence that we have on so many other people, when we think about going and doing those things that are contrary to our Lord's will. We ought to stop and think about the cross of Jesus. And if you've been unfaithful to the Lord, that cross ought to motivate you to make your life right even today as we sing this song in just a few minutes. But you know that cross also ought to motivate every person here today who's never obeyed the gospel to not delay, to not wait in putting on your Lord in baptism. When you think about what Jesus did for you on the cross, what excuse can you possibly continue to give to delay and to put off doing what you know you need to do in believing and demonstrating that faith in Jesus and repenting of your sins, confessing his name, being immersed in water where you contact that saving blood of Jesus Christ. What hinders you from going ahead even right now in making that decision to be baptized into Christ? You know, we don't have hope of tomorrow. We don't know what's going to take place tomorrow. But we do know that our Lord gave his life on the cross, that we might have hope, that we might be saved from our sins. This morning, if you're subject to the invitation, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing. you oh.
2: For our Lord's Supper this
3: morning will be the old rugged cross.
1: lacks the Lord's uh, Supper emblems, if you would please raise your hand and the ushers will assist you. Well Doug's lesson this morning has already set the tone for the Lord's Supper. Such a powerful lesson. What I'd like to do is just consider a couple of more points and if you will please turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 10 verses 5 through 7. Why Christ came? Why would you leave the beauty of heaven, the glory, to come to earth? In verse 5, wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice. And offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then say I, lo, I come, in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. After you carefully examine these words, why Christ came, Christ came because God did not desire animal sacrifices. The blood of bulls and goats would no longer be the ultimate sacrifice that Christ displayed. It took the blood of the perfect Lamb of God. And then Christ came to do the will of God. God's will was prophesied through all the ages that Jesus would come and die for man's sins. That's why Christ came. If you would, please bow with me as we partake of the bread. Our most gracious and loving Father, we praise you for your love for us. We pray, Father, as we partake of this Bread which represents your son's body, that we would do so in a manner that's pleasing and acceptable to thee. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> now for the cup. And likewise, Manner, Father, we continue to bow before you, Father, just thanking thee for all the many blessings of your son, all the spiritual blessings through him. We pray, Father, as we take of this cup that we would do so in a manner pleasing to thee. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. pray Heavenly Father we take this time to give back that which Thee have given us father not only what we give but why we give it may we be mindful how we give it with a cheerful heart are equally important Father, thank you for all of our blessings. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for it all. In your son's sweet
0: name, Jesus, we pray, amen.
5: Good morning thank you so much for being here on this beautiful fall sunday morning uh, we have several announcements this morning total in worship service this morning was 335 and i only have a couple of announcements anna palmer's son dustin is having dental surgery tomorrow and they're going to have to sedate him to do this so please remember him in your prayers also the lads to leaders song leading workshop will be conducted immediately after these services this morning in the TAC. So if you wanna participate in the lads to leaders song leading workshop, it's going to occur immediately after services this morning and they will be through by 12 noon. That's all the announcements I have. Would you please stand for our closing prayer? Our dear, most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do once again thank you for this wonderful day you've given us and the opportunity we've had to come out and study your word once again. Lord, we pray that what we've learned today, may we apply it to our lives and may as a result, we better serve you. Thank you, Lord, most of all for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the world. Now, Lord, go with us as we go to our homes. Forgive us, Lord, wherein we have sinned against you. For this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.